look, there's a, uh, a wild state representative, Walter Hudson, in studio. Good morning, sir. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Tripped my way in. Yeah, no, what a surprise. I uh, I told you when you walked in, I would have gotten dressed up. I'm theming my week. I haven't mentioned it on the air, but I'm wearing NASCAR shirts all week because uh, things get underway in Daytona. We need the distractions in life. Yeah. Most definitely. Before we dive into some legislative issues, I want to wrap up uh, and we can talk a little bit about this other bill that was moving through. Uh, This has actually gotten quite a bit of attention uh, nationally. This former case manager in Missouri Pediatric Clinic uh, has been blowing the whistle on the morally and medically appalling treatment resulting in permanent harm being done to the the children. Jamie Reed is a self-described queer leftist woman married to a transgender man, said that she is politically left of Bernie Sanders. And said when anybody raised doubts of how things were being run in this facility, they ran the risk of being called a transphobe. In 2019, Reed became aware of an increasing number of minors who regretted their medical transition called detransitioners. She and a colleague tried to bring attention to the issue and track the data, but were met with resistance from doctors. Despite this, the author and the colleague created the red flag list to track the patients. Reed recalled a particularly sad case where a detransitioned teenage girl from an unstable family with a history of drug use who had undergone a double mastectomy to remove her breasts. Only uh, after only three months, she regretted her decision. Reed and her colleague checked on the young girl and found out that she was pregnant. Of course, she'll never be able to breastfeed her child, Reed lamented. By the spring of 2020, Reed felt morally obligated to voice her growing concerns and began speaking up in the office and through email communications. And as a result, she began receiving negative performance reviews for the first time, noting her defensiveness and hostility when she received direction from management. Things came to a head at a half-day retreat in the summer of 22. In front of the team, the doctor said that my colleague and I had had to stop questioning the medicine and the science as well as their authority. Then the administrator told us to get on board or get out. Reed finally left the transgender center in November of 2022 and decided to come forward when she felt stunned and sickened by comments made by Dr. Rachel Levine, the transgender assistant secretary for the health and federal department of health and human services, who said the clinics are proceeding carefully and that no American children are receiving drugs or hormones for gender dysphoria who shouldn't. But I cannot in good conscience uh, do so. She said almost everyone in my life advised me to keep my head down, said Reed, because what is happening to the scores of children is far more important to my comfort. And uh, what is happening to them morally and medically is appalling. Uh, she did write a letter to the Missouri attorney general and is waiting to hear further response. She outlined basically what we laid out in the article. And I um, I brought this in, uh, Walter, uh, the Bill Walsh and Senator of the American Experiment had put out his uh, his notes on the Capitol from this week. And one of the items he talked about was the attempt to uh, add um, abortion and uh, transgenderism as part of the Explore Minnesota brand when it relates to tourism, including this trans refuge bill, SF-63. It got hearings, but apparently didn't make it out of uh, of committee. So, there. Good morning, sir. <laughs> Good morning. Laying out some minefields for me this morning. I appreciate it. Yeah, I had, I had intended to move through that quicker than before, but I didn't get a chance to. But I'm sure that you don't have an opinion on any of this whatsoever. I have tons of opinions <laughs> about all of it. And l- let me offer you a little bit of context. So after I leave here, I'm going to drive down to the Capitol and I'm going to go to my first committee meeting of the day. And we're going to be hearing testimony on a bill um, that is intended to maintain the family cohesion amongst tribal families um, of our Indian tribes here, our Native American tribes here in the state of Minnesota. Worthy cause. 
So that's what they're doing on the one hand. On the other hand, they have authored and heard in committee this bill, which intervenes in out-of-state parental custody battles in order to facilitate the kidnapping to poison and mutilate of children. That's what the bill does. That's what the bill provides. That is, that is a, and, and, you know, one of the problems I run into in this job with this session and this trifecta and this majority is when I say things like that, people think, oh, political exaggeration, Mm -hmm. rhetoric, talking point. That is a 100% accurate reflection of what this bill does. It enables the literal kidnapping of children by one parent from the other for the purpose of bringing them across state lines to poison and mutilate them. That's what it does. That's what the Democrats are about. Um, the fact, and I, I get it. I understand why they lay, are laying this over and potentially won't bring it to the floor because I'm going to say this on the floor if sure. they do, right? Um, but even so, how does this see the light of day? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, how does this, how does this not get pulled immediately once it's introduced? The, the fact that this exists and the fact that they were willing to hear it tells you all you need to know about the content of their souls. I, I, I'm so, I'm so perplexed and, and maybe it's just because I, I still unfortunately, you know, have a, have a better view, a view of people, but you know, this, I, 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 I feel like they're moving through on these things because they, they have some sort of twisted, the only way I can describe it is sort of a twisted view of like libertarianism, where they want just the the guardrails removed, and they want all these things just left to no. in, left to individual. Is it is it am I am I is it not that? I, I mean, explain it to me because I don't understand how you know it, these individuals that got elected. They're not dumb. They're not dumb. No, you 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 are one hundred. These are intelligent right individuals, and if they're yeah. just that morally lost, then maybe it's as simple as that. But perhaps you can explain it to me better. Well, it's 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 rebellion. Okay, I mean it's okay. it's defiance against reality. Um, there's a spiritual component to it. It's defiance sure. against the Creator God, um, and it's it's the it's the notion that with will, with the sheer force of will you can create and reshape reality. Now, there's a sense in which that's true, right? Like we can look at a river and say, you know what would be great there? A dam. Sure. And then we can take action to reshape our environment in order to benefit ourselves. So there's a a kernel of truth in that impulse, but they take it past the point of physical reality to this weird sort of metaphysical place where they think if I, you know, clench my eyes and squeeze hard enough, I can become something that I'm not. Or I can manifest in the world something that doesn't exist. You know, one of the ways in which this has played out recently, uh, I don't know if we talked about this last week, but one of the uh, the chairs of a committee in the legislature talked, referred to one of the new state departments that they want to erect to govern children and families. We're going to have a state department of your family now. Um, when, when I mentioned, you know, how, how much are we willing to spend for this? Is there any upward limit to how much you're willing to spend and, and tax for this? And uh, his answer was, this is a magic money tree. That's the exact quote. This department will be a magic money tree because they're operating under the theory, the economic theory, that you get a return on investment, a, an undefined ethereal return on investment for investing in early childhood. So what that means is there is no functional downside 
to just pouring as much money as you can conceive of. So that's another way in which they're trying to manifest their wishes into reality by saying we all we need to do in order to get money is think we're going to get money. And then we can bank on that. And and they feel completely emboldened because of the way that the election shook out. They, they they feel as if that this is what everybody wanted. I mean, we've talked about on the show, I've highlighted on the show, and we won't you know go into all of the instances and circumstances, but clearly, if you were paying attention, you know what was said on the campaign trail, what the Republicans were saying that the left was going to do, the DFL was going to do, has come to fruition. Mm-hmm. What they were saying they weren't going to do. No, those are crazy, radical extremists. It was the complete opposite. They were they were gaslighting. But I imagine at this point in time, they've all, as you said, they've all convinced themselves now, we got the trifecta of power. This is what everybody wants us to do. We're going to radically transform the state as much as we possibly can. I mean, they say things within five minutes that are completely contradictory. Last night on the House floor, um, we debated whether or not we ought to pour hundreds of thousands of additional dollars into the CCAP program. If that if that rings a bell, it's because five years ago in 2018, that was the center of $100 million worth of fraud okay. involving allegations of money going overseas to fund terrorism oh, yeah. out of your pocket. I remember that. Yes, That's yeah, right. That yeah. rings oh, yeah. a bell, right? Yep, yep absolutely. Um, so last night, they put more money into that. They put more money into that. And we're debating um, the extent of that fraud, and they're trying to question, whether, well, it wasn't really $100 million, blah, blah, blah. Um, but in one breath, they're saying there was no fraud. It doesn't exist. There's no evidence of fraud in the next breath. Like mere moments later, they're saying we've done things to combat fraud. And this bill here has provisions to address fraud. So they can't get their own story straight and they don't even bother to try. You know, when, when Jamie Long, the majority leader, gets up at the end uh, of debate on a given bill, does, he, he usually doesn't address any of the things that we've actually said. He reads off a script and addresses the straw man that they wish we had said, right? Right. And and because there, there is no interest in a good faith conversation, and there's certainly no interest in the reality which would inform that conversation. I remember the conversations that you and I had prior to the election. Uh, again, uh, State Representative Walter Hudson joins us in studio, um, and there is a you know there's a there's a stark difference between. When you and I talked then in the optimism, right? Okay. <laughs> there is. I mean, there is. I mean, we're, we're, we're friends. I know you. And, and what what you're faced with with now, I, I'm curious. I'm curious where you're at at the moment mm-hmm. in terms of your role, because, I again, prior to the election, I you know, I think there was, hey, we're going to do some some good here in, in, in Minnesota. And right. we've, we've now we're now a month in this legislative session. We all know what's transpired. We've been talking about it. I'm just wondering what is it that Walter Hudson is trying to do? What are you able to accomplish? How are you, you know, how are you doing this job now? And how are you, how are you doing? You know, it's, <laughs> it's counterintuitive, but I find myself throughout the day with several moments of legitimate joy and laughter and fun. Um, usually in the company of my, of my fellow Republican members, as we're reflecting upon the contents of the day. Um, but no, this, the, there is, there is elation in the fight, right? There's there's adrenaline that comes with the fight, and I I enjoy it, um, but not for its own sake, not just to fight. I enjoy it because you know I have the the honor, as do my colleagues on our side of the aisle, um, of saying what is true and advocating for what is right. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it doesn't matter whether in the immediate moment. I mean, it does matter temporarily. Sure. 
um, on the global scale, it matters. But personally, like as a person, all any of us can do is live faithfully within the sphere of influence that we've been granted. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what I'm doing. And I, and I have this incredible opportunity to be able to do that almost every day, almost every moment of the day to live right on that edge of where things matter and stand up and say the right thing, speak truth and confront what I regard to be often, if not just wrong, outright evil. Um, and that's very affirming, even when you're on the losing side of a given vote. Well, I imagine it's very emboldening. I mean, you know, I, not that you are. I was joking when he got in. I was letting Walter know what we're going to cover. And I said, yeah, I, don't, I know you, you know, typically you don't have an opinion on anything. Yeah, right. um, but, you know, I imagine, though, the way that things have been shaping in the legislative session, there's a bit of, all right, fine. We want to go there. Let's go there. You know, there's not a, there's not much you and the party can do just based off of, you know, the the, the power dynamic within the legislative session. Session, but I imagine now you you it's sort of like all right you know we're going to put it all out there we're going to go and put it all out there not that I wouldn't expect you to have done that anyways well but. sure but I I would push back a little bit and say that we can do exactly what we're doing which mm-hmm. is let everybody know what's going on sure um, and that does have an effect they decided to lay that bill over the trans refuge bill um, they've it's it's on hold according to Bill Walsh we'll see what ends up happening with it ultimately but. There are and there's other things that we've been hearing behind the scenes that I'm not going to share that indicate that there are cracks in the facade of of uh, partisan unity within the DFL, particularly over on the Senate side. Um, and so it, we can have an influence. And when I when I say we, I mean, you guys, you guys can have it. Like I can let you know what's going on. But the folks out there are the ones who are actually going to have the impact by shaping the environment in which these folks are making their decisions. And you see that happening. You know, one area in which it's happening is with this paid family medical leave atrocity that they're trying to pass through. Business owners are finally waking up to what this is going to do to them. 158 businesses in the Brainerd Lakes area sent a letter to the governor and to uh, us legislators saying, hey, if you do this, you're going to destroy our community. Uh, um, what, what time do you have to leave uh, Leave here? What time you got to get out of here by? I, I might be able to go to the top of the hour. Okay. I'll get it. We got just a few minutes here. We'll go a little bit long. I got a, a couple, two quick things for you before we let you go. Um, I mentioned earlier, and I was wondering if you could add to the... That stipulation as it relates to homeschool reporting of the test yeah. scores was removed. There was a voice of opposition. That's another example. And that's that what I want. And that's what I wanted to hear. I wanted to because I was trying to find a bright spot and it seemed as if some voices were heard and that was actually removed from the language yes. of of, uh, of of Walls's intent. From Yeah. And, and that's the, the Achilles heel, the downside of their anytime you try to defy reality, like if you think you can fly and you jump off a building, you're going to be corrected very quickly, right? Like your reality is going to confront you at uh, several miles per hour. And that's to some extent, what is happening to the DFL is that their desire to reshape their reality was emboldened by the election results. And they didn't look at the granular detail. They didn't look at the fact that they barely won a couple of their statewide races. They didn't look at the fact that they barely won a lot of their legislative races. And they, they assumed that they had a mandate to go full crazy. And that's exactly what they've done to date for a solid month. And my guess would be that they're seeing some internal indications 
that Minnesotans aren't going along with. Well, and this is the, this was going to be my next question. I know Robbie has one from a listener that uh, that, that had called in uh, as well. Was I know it's probably way too soon to tell, but you know the left typically when they grab power they overreach, and clearly that's what the DFL has been doing. And you answered that a bit. I'm just wondering. You know, is there going to be too much distance between now and the next election cycle? Are they going to be able to weather any sort of controversies that may have come? Because you still don't really have the media pointing this out. I mean, the Star Tribune kind of teetered there as it related to Walls's budget, but they didn't really go all in saying, oh, no, it's going to be expensive. That's about all that yeah. I expect out of the Star Tribune. But do you think there will be sort of electoral consequences or is it just too soon to tell? Well, again, that. It relies entirely on us, yeah. on, on the folks listening and on me and my colleagues to get the information out and then to put in the work. This is going to require work. You know, it's, it's really easy. And, you know, I had a show here and you show up here every day and we, we, we grump about everything, sure. that's, everything that's wrong in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, what, what's actually going to fix it is boring stuff, walking, knocking on doors. Um, and we're going to have to be willing to find people who will cast ballots and we're going to have to work the system by the rules that the DFL is writing. Yeah. Uh, And that's how we're going to win. It's not going to be by crossing our fingers and hoping that they remember how crazy they were in 2023 early in the year. It's going to be by doing the work starting now all the way through the end of 2024. And, and consider you, you want optimism. Here's your optimism. They barely won as I just outlined, mm-hmm. right? They barely won. They had to leverage everything to barely win. They right. outraised us 10 to 1. Okay. They have the media. We don't. They have all these institutional advantages. They fund their own political coffers through public dollars that get filtered and laundered through different organizations. They have so many institutional advantages and it's barely enough yeah. to get them across the finish line. Yeah. All we don't even have to get our act entirely together. We just have to get it together. Yeah, it's always it's always the battle. It's always the struggle too. It's just you got it. You've got to push further, and it's not easy. And clearly, it's not easy. Uh, we have a, a Robbie's got a question from a listener as well. Yeah, somebody had called in from Bloomington and wanted to know the origination of the term "magic money tree." <laughs> so this was at a at a committee hearing. Um, I believe it was children families, and I forget what it was. It was we were just hearing a presentation. Um, about the governor's budget priorities surrounding basically his plan to start a new state department to govern children and families mm-hmm. because we don't have enough state departments apparently. And, um, representative Natalie Zaleznikar, um, sorry, Natalie from, uh, up in the northern part of the state, she just passively stated, Hey, you know, we don't have this magic money tree. Like money doesn't just fall out of heaven. It's like your dad's logic, right? Sure. sure. How many times have you yeah. heard that? Money doesn't grow yeah, on trees. Right. And Chairman Dave Pinto responds to her by chiding her and saying, there actually is a magic money tree. It's this right here. It's this proposal. 13% ROI. You can go and look at the clip. It's on my Twitter. All right. I mean, we'll, gra- the, we'll grab it, it. He actually believes, and, and he went on to flesh it out. You know, we had a conversation about economic theory. We, it, we continued it on the House floor last night. But they legitimately believe that there is no upward limitation on how much you should tax or spend because you're going to get a return on that investment undefined at some point in the future. And, and so, you know, and my point 
in response to that is, well, then why limit it to $12 million? Let's spend 100 quadrillion, right? Like, right. Why, well, yeah, why stop? Why ever stop? What num- number could possibly be too big if you're guaranteed a 13% return on investment? All right. Well, I'll let you go back into the fight. Walter Hudson, state representative. Thank you, sir, for thank coming you. in. It was a pleasure to see you. It was a surprise, a welcome surprise. I appreciate it. Yep.